Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, a.k.a. Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Today, we have Byron Putman. Byron hails from Belton, South Carolina. He holds a bachelor's degree in mass communication with a minor in speech pathology from Winthrop University. Byron has worked in radio broadcasts since the 1990s, including studios like the Carolina Panthers and the Charlotte Hornets. He is currently president of the Winthrop University Alumni Association. Byron Putnam, welcome to the show today. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Hey, Byron, uh, you probably don't know this, but let me tell you how uh, you came to my attention. Someone I know was in Della's Barbershop in Rock Hill, uh, South Carolina, and they told me that, look, I met this guy, Byron Putnam. He's been going through your bio. He said, you got to talk to this guy. So that's how I uh, became aware of you, Byron. So happy that you're here today. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, Della, that's uh, actually my barber. His name is Kevin and he uh -huh. has a, a chair in Della's shop. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, we have a great atmosphere there. A lot of folks, um, you know, come there. I mean, it's really it's not really a more of a, it's more of a family uh, than a barbershop. I mean, we all know each other. We all support each other and we all have a great time. And I mean, we even have what we call barbershop night to where we just hang out and just chew the fat on Friday evenings. Well, so, uh, but, I mean, it's a, it's a great atmosphere and, you know, just, we just have a great time there. That's fantastic. I had the good pleasure of meeting Della uh, not long ago. She's a terrific person. I've never been to the barbershop. I don't really have a need for a barber, but look, looking at you, <laughs> maybe I'll go to Della's barbershop to get some work done as well. Maybe I can hang out at that Friday night at, uh, at Della with uh, the, the barbershop family. So, yeah. Okay. And hey, look here. Uh, yeah, I mentioned in the intro that you're from Belton, South Carolina. So we're both South Carolina boys. But guess what, Byron? I've never heard of Belton. Where is Belton? Well, Belton is in, in Anderson County. Uh, and Anderson is in the, you know, the northwestern part of South Carolina. Uh -huh. uh, we're, we're like kind of sort of in between Greenville and Clemson. I see. Yeah, good place to see it. If you're if you're going out 85, you know you won't see Belton on any of the signs to exit off of, but you'll see Anderson and you'll see Clemson. Uh, but you know we're in Anderson County. Okay, so is Belton a rural community, Byron? Yeah, very very small town. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not even sure what our population is. My guess is we're probably somewhere around maybe 10,000 uh, mm -hmm. at the most. You know, real small town. You know, we have the town square, like most of the little towns in, you know, in South Carolina. Uh, you know, everybody knows everybody. Uh, and as a matter of fact, like our high school, we're actually a combination of two small towns. It's Belton and then there's Honeypath, South Carolina. We have a high schools that have merged. So that's that school is now known as Belton Honeypath. Or we usually use an acronym. It's called BHP, which is what most people will probably be familiar with hearing okay. that term. BHP okay. High School. All right. So, so how are, how are things growing up in Belton for you? Small oh man, you know, it was it was great. Uh, you know, it's it's a little different, obviously, these days than when I was growing up. Uh, you know, we had a lot of folks, and you know, around my age, my brother's age, 
so we all played ball together. We played baseball, football, basketball, you know, you know, jump creeks, you know, f- you know, went and hunt, found crawdads. I mean, you know, did all the great things that, you know, little boys do uh, growing up and, you know, got into fights and everything else. But, you know, the next day, everybody's friends again. So had a great, great time growing up. Uh, spent a lot of time with my grandparents because my parents were working. Uh, but we were a big family, big community, and 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 probably, uh, you know, I, I don't know any other way. I assume it's like this for most folks in South Carolina. You know, most of our families stayed in the same hood. So, you know, again, so we all grew up, and I mean, we were really a family and, you know, a big unit. And no matter where you walked up and down the street, you had a cousin, you know, or aunt or uncle somewhere right next door, you know, real close to you. Yeah, I know the feeling. I tell you what, as I reflect back on when growing up in my town, you know, I, I still remember the lessons learned from some of my my uncles and other people in my community. So I want to ask you, reflecting back on growing up in Belton, what are some things that you can say that you truly learned or things that enrich your life because you grew up, you know, in that small community with people who loved you? Well, you know, probably the number one thing, uh, and, you know, I, I, this is probably my, the, you know, my biggest thing is family. I mean, you know, family's key. Family's important. And again, you know, everybody fusses and fights and, you know, you may fall out, you may disagree, but at the end of the day, you're still family and you still come back together and, you know, you learn to love and appreciate each other, no matter what faults you may have, you know, no matter how well you may be doing or how bad you may be doing, you're still family, you still need to take care of each other. You still need to support each other. Um, And, you know, one of the things that's, you know, kind of sort of a little bit, you know, a sidebar is, you know, growing up and, you know, you know, you're trying to do well, trying to do well in school, trying to, you know, do the right things, make right decisions. And, you know, you would have folks that we would consider, you know, winos, uh, bums, but they would be just as encouraging to you as your family would be because they, they'll tell you, man, don't be like me, you know, stay in school. I understand you're doing good. You're making good grades, you know, keep going, you know, do the right things. And, you know, sometimes folks take that for granted. Sometimes folks overlook those you know, folks that, again, we would call winos or bums, but, you know, they they would encourage you just as much as your family would, at least back, you know, in, in my hometown. I got you. So you were one of those um, uh, ambitious students. You made, you mentioned making good grades. Uh, would you say that you were a very motivated, ambitious student in high school? Very motivated. Uh, you know, probably the biggest thing was, you know, I was, I was heavy into athletics. Um, you know, I played sports year round. Uh, you know, I had, you know, very fortunate to have both parents in the house. Uh, they supported any and everything I wanted to do. Uh, you know, I played football, basketball, ran track. And then even in the summer, I played American Legion baseball. And I even ran track for the Anderson Track Club wow. in the summer. So, I mean, I mean, I was moving all the time. There was no downtime, uh, you know, coming up, uh, especially once I got into the high school, uh, you know, age. Yeah. Okay. So you you were a busy high school student. So you mentioned football. What position did you play for football? Well, we we ran a wishbone, uh, which you know you very seldom see that now uh, in on in any level. Uh, but I played fullback. But then whenever we would go to a pro set, I was split out and, and I was a flanker. Huh, okay. uh, and I was also I was also the emergency quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So Byron, at what point did you decide? That you wanted to go to college. At what point did you make the decision to go to college? No, oh, well, I mean, college was always, you know, the focal point. I mean, that was, 
I can't tell you like when I decided it was going to happen, but I mean, that was just, you know, you just knew you were going to go to college. I mean, that was just what it was. Um, you know, it wasn't like I turned 14 and said, okay, yeah, I want to go to school. I mean, that's just always was there. Okay. Did that come out of your family? Did it come out of your community or your school? That is a culture of understanding that you're going to go to college. Where did that come from? I would say a combination uh, because myself and my cousin, um, my cousin, uh, Tina, well, her name is Tanya, but we called her Tina. Uh, we are about like 35 days apart. I'm the oldest of, of the two, but we were the first two to go to a four-year college in our family. Uh, and we actually, we both went to the same school, Winthrop University. Well, back then it was Winthrop College <laughs> uh, before it turned to Winthrop University. But um, uh, we both went at the same time. But again, I would say it was a combination of, of, of school, family, community, you know, everything. It was wrapped around services, so to speak. It wasn't, um, again, it wasn't like I was just sitting around and said, hey, you know, I want to go to college. I mean, I think that was just what it was. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I don't have a real good explanation for it. That's just what it was. You know, it was just understood. You're going yeah, I to got you. I, I feel that. Yeah, I got you. So if you were talking to kids at your high school today and they're trying to decide, you know, what am I going to do with my, what would you, would you encourage them to consider college or what would you say? Well, first of all, I don't think college is for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that they are have to going to do some reflecting, self-reflecting, and and figure out what's best for them. I mean, you know, a lot of folks think that you have to go to a four-year college or university, but you know, there are plenty of folks that went and got a trade. You know, they may have went to a technical school, and and they're doing just fine. And mm -hmm. and some of them are doing folks that have have four-year degrees. Yeah, gotcha. uh, you know. And then, you know, you may have, some, I have, a, I have a very good friend of mine that went to the military and I mean, he did his uh, 30 years and retired and he's doing very, very well. I mean, so college is not the only choice is what I'm saying. I think you just have to figure out what's best for you. Indeed. Indeed. So what was uh, life like for you at Withrop College, Withrop University today, when you attended? What was that like? Now, and let me, you know, let me make sure that people know is that you're a small town, Belton, South Carolina boy, and you're going to Winthrop University, uh, not the type of environment I'm assuming that, well, I don't want to assume, was Winthrop as an environment different from what you experienced at Belton? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, cause you obviously got more diversity uh, there. Um, you know, at, at my high school, we were, we were predominantly white, white, uh, predominantly white high school. Uh, but, you know, we, you know, we had a, a good number of minorities in the school as well. Uh, but Winthrop was 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 really a predominantly white campus. I think when I first got to campus, we may have been somewhere around 10, 15 percent minorities on campus. So it wasn't a lot of minorities on campus at all. Uh, so, you know, again, it was kind of one of those things where you you knew everybody on campus that was a black student because it wasn't a lot of us there mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but Winthrop was a great thing, a great experience. I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, probably one of the best decisions I ever made was to to go to Winthrop University. Yeah. So, so Brian, uh, so you majored in mass communication. I mean, why that major? What drew you to mass communication? Well, now, now I do have a focal point with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, uh, I, I knew that I wanted to be in radio when I was twelve. Um, long story short, um, there was a guy, Frank Sims, that lived across the street from my grandmother's 
uh, his parents lived across the street from my grandma. We had grandparents. And he was a DJ. And he was all, already on the radio. So obviously listening to him all the time, knew him personally. Uh, and then there was another DJ. Uh, his name is Michael Stewart, but his his on-air name was Two Tons, Two Tons of Fun. And so got to know him. Uh, but the key happened when I was 12. I was in the sixth grade. And we somehow we had won some event in our school. And so uh, one of the local DJs came to the school and it was sort of like a, a pep rally or, or sort of a sort of a dance, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, and while he was there playing music, I went up to him and you know, introduced myself to him and and told him, hey, you know, I want to be on the radio. And he invited me to the radio station. And so uh, the next day, me and my dad went to the radio station and um, I got to do some liners for him. And he showed me around, gave me a tour of the radio station, showed me a couple of things. But and then I was after that, I was definitely hooked. That was it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. That's a great story, actually. I'm glad you shared that. So now, you know, you out of Belton, you're a college graduate. And I want to look at the kinds of things that you've learned from life, if that's OK with you. Would that be OK? Sure. Okay, so and I want you to consider, you know, you know, up to when you graduated college or perhaps even up to now, how what have you learned about, let me see, handling challenges? Well, <laughs> that there are challenges every day. Um, you know, that that you have the old cliche, tough times don't last, tough people do. And mm -hmm. trust me, to get through this world, you, you better be tough. Um, you know. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm preaching that to my son now. I try to, anytime I see whether it's a video or something that I've read, I try to make sure I pass that on to him and, and explain to him that nothing's easy. Um, and, you know, and really nothing worth anything is going to be easy. You know, you're going to have some hard times. It's just, that's just part of life. Um, you know, but I've had uh, my fair share of ups and downs, maybe even had more than I should have had, but made a lot of mistakes, but, you know, as long as you learn from them, it's okay. Uh, you know, nobody's perfect, uh, but it's, it's been tough. It has been a tough road, um, especially, you know, going back to when the economy crashed, I think that was back in 08. Um, you know, you know, I was actually working uh, full-time with the Hornets at that time, uh, making really, really good money. And, when they when the economy crashed, you know, they downsized a lot of the, the employees. And so, I mean, a lot of me, you know, myself, a lot of my friends, you know, we were out of work. Uh, and so, you know, but at the same time, you know, you just got to just keep grinding mm -hmm. and, you know, just keep moving. You can't just sit there and just, you know, wallow in your sorrow and feel bad for yourself. You got to figure it out, pick yourself up and, and make moves and make things happen, especially when you have a family. So, you know, but again, it's, I mean, it's, it's tough and, you know, but that to me, that's just, that's just the part of life. It's what it is, you know, and that's when it goes back to what we talked about earlier, you know, your support system, your family, your friends, you know, you got folks that's going to encourage you and, you know, try to help you out. And, you know, that's, again, that's, that's a big thing to me, you know, family, there's nothing more important than family. And, you know, so you just got to make sure you're taking care of them, take care of yourself and, you know, just keep moving and doing you know, and trying to stay positive. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, your your response there makes me think about something else that's aligned to it. I know that your family is important to you, your, your birth family, as well as, you know, your current family. So where do you draw, in addition to your family, 
where where else do you draw strength from? That is what, yeah, what did you draw from? Well, you know, um, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a very religious person, but, you know, I do attend, you know, prayer calls. You know, I do, you know, read Bibles, you know, not, I'm not, I don't read it daily, but I do read the Bible. Uh, you know, I, and I'm trying to live right, trying to do the right things. You know, I, I would say I'm probably more spiritual, uh, you know, than religious, if that if that makes sense. And, um, you know, so, you know, you, but you, you know, you draw from a lot of things, you know, I think I draw from out my kids, you know, uh, you know, cause I know I've got to be strong for them. And, yeah. you know, so, you know, there, there are a lot of different variables that you draw from, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just, you've got responsibilities, you've got things that you've got to do, no matter how hard it is, you just, you gotta, you know, you just gotta keep it going. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned spiritual and spirituality. I mean, that's something that's, I mean, the, the notion of spiritual spirituality is sweeping, has been sweeping the whole planet for a while now. So when you say spiritual, and I'll just say spirituality, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, one of the things, you know, you know, you attend church and everything, but one of the things that I enjoy is, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm more inclined to music. You know, so I, you know, I enjoy the choir part, you know, the, the sermon is great and all that, but the music moves me probably more so than the sermon. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's a spiritual thing as opposed to, you know, listening to the word, you know, that's coming from someone else. But there's just a, a feeling that I get when I'm listening, you know, to the choir or even I'm, if I'm listening to, you know, some music, you know, just some gospel music. Um, you know, and I'm, a, I'm more of an old school guy than some of this new age gospel, but, you know, but it's okay. I can, I can handle the new stuff too, but, but I am more of a classical gospel guy. Yeah, I got you. Well, that leads me to another thought that comes to mind. You've already said one thing, but I want to, want you to expand on it. What inspires you? You've already said now music inspires you. What else inspires you? Oh, well, my, my kids, you know, my kids uh, and, and family, you know, at the end of the day is family. Um, because again, you know, you you just got to set the example. Um, you know, you can't just sit there and you have a bad moment, have a bad day. You know, you, you just got to take that punch and just keep going. Um, and, you know, so, you know, I always want to be better for them. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, I know that I mentioned in your intro that you're, pre are you still the president of the Winthrop yes, University sir. Alumni yes, Association? So, yes, sir. Actually, tomorrow will, will be my final start, my final year, and I'll be wow. able to be the immediate past president here in a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, look, what what are you learning about leadership? Given your lead, current, given your current leadership position, what has it taught you about leadership? About being the leader? Well, actually, I mean, I've, I've had leadership roles prior to this, which actually, in my opinion, prepared me for this role of being the you know president for the uh, National Association of the alumni. So, uh, but, you know, I was, you know, even going back, you know, middle school, high school, you know, I was with student council, you know, president of student councils, president of student body. Um, you know, so I've had different roles. I was president of the uh, Richardson Hall uh, at Winthrop. You know, so I've, I've you know, I've been the, the boss list is what we call it with the Omegas, uh, boss list of the chapter here in Rock Hill. I've held district leadership positions. Um, so, I mean, I've, I, Leadership is not new, uh, so to speak, uh, when it comes to this. But 
again, I think all of the things that I've done in the past prepared me to be able to take on this position that I currently have with the Alumni Association. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at your career. Um, you've mentioned uh, the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So tell, tell us about your career. What have you been up to? Uh, well, up to mm -hmm. yeah, well, I've, I've been, you know, in radio again. I think you mentioned this uh, uh, in my intro, um, you know, since really since the uh, 80s. Uh, I've been doing radio for a long time uh, at Winthrop University. You know, one of the one of the fortunate things we have there at our mass communication department is you learn print, you learn TV and you learn radio. Um, and a lot of schools don't give you the, the what I call the triple threat. And but, you know, if you're going to be in mass comm, you need to be able to handle all three of those phases. You know, you may not specialize in all three. Uh, but you need to have a taste of all three that'll make you just a better, well-rounded, you know, person when it's time to go out and start, you know, working in the career of your choice. Uh, but, you know, again, I've been, um, I started out working in a small town radio station in Rock Hill, uh, WRHI, which was 1340 AM and WRHM, which was 107.1 uh, on the FM dial. And with those guys, I was the sports director uh, I used to do uh, high school play-by-play, -play, um, football and basketball. I uh, did Winthrop basketball. I was an analysis with Winthrop basketball. Um, and, I mean, we, we did we did a lot of different things, uh, remotes, you know, at car lots, you know, at the balls, uh, different things like that. And uh, eventually I uh, was lucky enough to land a job producing the Jerry V Show, which was a sports show in Charlotte. Um, WBT radio, WBT is 1110 AM and 99.3 FM. And that's one of the oldest radio stations in the Southeast. It's a news talk station. Um, it's uh, it's more of a, um, it's, uh, I guess the way of putting it, they, they, they used to call, they used to, they used to broadcast Rush Limbaugh. So they were a little bit more on that side of the spectrum, so to speak. Uh, but again, I was dealing with sports, so really didn't affect me one way or the other. Uh, when it came to that part of it, but uh, uh, but after I landed that gig, uh, the Carolina Panthers was broadcast on that station, and my boss uh, David Langton was the executive producer for the Panthers Radio Network. Uh, we met, and you know he said, "Hey, I like what you do. Uh, I need someone. Would you like to come work for us?" And so that's how I got there. Um, I built relationships from there to meeting Steve Martin, who's actually he's re he retired from the Hornets uh, three years ago. And uh, he hired me to come work with the Hornets when the Hornets left to go to New Orleans. Um, and, you know, obviously that ended that gig. <laughs> but then when the Charlotte got the new franchise, the Charlotte Bobcats, uh, Steve left because he, his family was still in Charlotte while he was down in New Orleans working. Well, he came back to uh, head up the broadcast department for the Bobcats. And so he hired me to come back in uh, to produce, be the radio producer for the uh, Bobcats until we finally got the, the, the Hornets name back. And uh, and then that's when the, the New Orleans team became the Pelicans. Yeah. So, um, so but anyway, I, you know, that's, that's, you know, a real quick synopsis of radio life. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the more important things that I think I do with the Panthers um, is I'm the studio manager and I'm also 
the internship coordinator. So, you know, I get to go speak to college students and interview them for our, our internship positions that we have and hire them, get to mentor them, train them on different things. And so, you know, that's that's the fun part. And, you know, you have to keep in mind, okay, these kids are not the way you were when you were in college. We got to adapt and try to bring them along and understand that they're doing it a little bit different than the way we did it. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's, it's kind of weird. You know, when, when we were their age, we weren't walking around with a cell phone glued to our hands all the time. So, you know, you have to let them learn and, and see that, you know, you can't really pay attention to that phone when you're supposed to be monitoring the broadcast. And when it's time to go to a break, you need to be ready to go. And so after they, after that happens two or three times, then they'll figure out, okay, I probably better put this phone away. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned quite a bit there. So I just want to clarify a few things. Sure. Uh, one thing that you mentioned was uh, play by play. And uh, I like play by play. I like to you know, I like to hear that on radio. So what is a what is a play by play? Um, uh, I don't know what to call it, but play by play by play announcer. What does that mean? Well, basically, you're just narrating what's happening, uh, you know, on, on the field or on the court or, or you know, field where's a football or baseball or on the court, or if you're talking about hockey on the ice. Um, but, you know, you're just narrating and, and telling folks what's happening. Uh, you know, I think the harder job is radio as opposed to TV, because obviously on TV, you can see what's happening. Now, you may not understand it. And, you know, the play-by-play guy and the analyst can help you understand it. But when you're doing radio, you've got to be able to give a clear picture and a full picture of what's happening. You know, where they are, where they're going left to right or right to left, you know, what color uniforms they're wearing. You know, you've got to give a really good description of every play that's happening. And then you let your 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 analysts come in and fill in the gaps. You know, if, if you know, because like sometimes you may have someone who's a little bit more savvy and they'll appreciate the analyst a little bit more because he's going to actually tell you a little bit more about what the actual play happened and what exactly went on with that play, as opposed to just telling you what happened during right. the play. Yeah. So how does one learn to become a play-by-play announcer? How do you learn that? I, 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 I really can't tell you how you learn that other than just listening and watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny um, talking to some of the, you know, other guys that I know and hang out with. And, you know, our kids are around the same age. You know, today kids don't watch sports like we watch sports. You know, you know, they may walk by and see something, they'll stop and look at it. Uh, but they're more of the, what I call the, the, the YouTubers. You know, they wanted to see the highlights. They don't really know the game from watching the game. And I try to explain to my son specifically because, you know, he's actually, you know, active in sports. And I'm like, you're going to learn more about watching an entire game as opposed to watching highlights. Highlights don't show you anything. It just shows you what was good, what happened good. You don't learn what not to do watching highlights. And, and you don't learn how to anticipate what may be coming or what may be next or even how to, you know, counter something by just watching highlights. That's, that, that's not, it doesn't do you any good, you know, as far as your knowledge is concerned of the game and the depth knowledge of the game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, other than just watching and listening, you know, and, and you know, you, whether you have a favorite person, you know, whether you have, a, you know, somebody that you love listening to or whatever the case may be, that would be my thing. I mean, it wasn't like we had any specific training in college, uh, you know, with, you know, whether you wanted to be a play-by-play guy or an analysis, I think it's just learning the game, watching the game and listening to the games. And, 
And I'm sure you, you may have done this, you know, we had a little transistor radio late at night, you know, with your earphones under the covers and, you know, need to be in the bed sleep, but I'm listening to the Braves. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Well, I, I listened to the uh, Cincinnati, um, who are they? Uh, Cincinnati Reds back in the day. Reds. That's mm -hmm. when, I, when I lived in Cincinnati a long time ago. That was my introduction to listening to play-by-play -play on the radio. So, okay, so um, so considering both the play-by-play -play announcer and the analyst or the commentator, who are some of the standouts to you? Uh, you know, over the course of, you know, not only now, but over the course of the decades, who stands out to you as the analyst, uh, the, the, the announcer first and the analyst second? Well, I mean, now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I'm not old. I'm kind of old school. So, you know, you know, probably the favorite of all time would be the old. Uh, you muted yourself. You muted yourself. You just, yep. okay, here we go. Uh, I can't even remember all those guys' names, but they were, they were just awesome. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I ever missed a Monday night football game, you know, uh -huh. at least until I, could, um, until I was made to go to bed. You know, until I was old enough to be able to stay up to watch the whole game. Uh, but that was obviously back when they did start to nine o'clock. Now they start a little bit earlier, which helps out. But, uh, but you know, those guys uh, and then, you know, just taking it up to now, you know, this, you know, Joe Buck and, you know, uh, uh, Aikman, you know, they're the they're the 18. Uh, you know, they just signed a huge deal. Um, so, you know, they're leaving Fox and they're going to ESPN now. So both of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, I knew, I knew the talk was that uh, Aikman was going. I didn't know that uh, Joe Buck yeah, was yeah. also. Okay. Yeah, they're both going, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and now I love Kirk Herbstreet, you know, which he does, ESPN College. Uh, him and, um, Lord, I cannot think, Chris. Chris. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris yeah. Now, but I, those I know guys, you're talking about, yeah. They're, they're the king of the yeah, they're the cream of the crop when it comes to college football, in my opinion. I mean, there, yeah. but there are a lot of great. Hey, you, hey, you didn't there. mention and even James Brown. Boss, uh, you didn't mention JB. Well, but he's not. He, yeah, but he's 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 a host. He's not a he's not a play-by-play -play guy. Oh, that's true. He's a host. That's right. That's he's right. A, yeah, he's a host of the yeah. game show and the halftime show. Yeah. 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 But um, but but you know, even my my boss Steve Martin with the Hornets now. Now I grew up listening to him doing ACC football and, and ACC basketball, so I mean I knew him before he knew me from TV because <laughs> yeah. I mean he he would do all the ACC games of the week, uh, you know being living in the Carolinas that's all we would get you know we would get those guys every Saturday, yeah. so I mean he was he was a, he Steve was a great play by play guy yeah I got and, you. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's another there's another guy that I used to work with with the Panthers. Now he does uh, a lot of college football now. He does all the major golf tournaments, you know, whether it's the British Open or the Masters. Uh, Bill Rosinski. He he's an amazing play by play guy. Yeah, Bill does a good job for sure. Hey, let me take yeah. you way back though, way back to the '80s baseball. Do you recall Bart Marty Brenneman as a play by play guy? That name doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, well, he, he goes way he back. Had? Yeah, way back. Marty Brenneman, uh, he was amazing play-by-play -play guy. And his analyst or commentator was Joe Nuxall. Those guys, okay. those guys were amazing. I enjoyed listening to them. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, you know, we, we, we're turning the, the corner here. 
Um, so you know, when you look at where you are now and where you want to go, I'm not sure how much you want to share with us, but you know, what's your vision? What are some of what are some of the things that that inspires you that you say, you know, something I want to be doing these kinds of things going forward? What's on your vision board, so to speak? Well, you know, actually now it's kind of uh, you know, I guess going with 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 what's happening now. I'm I'm really trying to get into uh social media now, uh, doing that, you know, being a content creator. Um, and I've had a couple of offers to start doing what you're doing now, podcast and, and probably going to get into that here soon. Uh, matter of fact, I just spoke with a, uh, a guy two days ago about doing a uh, sports podcast. And, uh, so we're going to have some more conversation next week about that. And so, but that's, that's probably where, where I'm, I'm heading next, um, you know, going hardcore into social media, being a content creator, and then also dealing with podcasts. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Byron, look, I really enjoyed talking with you. Is there anything else you care to share with us that I have not asked you about? Well, you know, I, you know, I think, again, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit about, you know, struggles and, and going through hard times and you know, I just want anybody that's out there listening to know, man, that that everybody is dealing with something. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It may be financial. It may be family. You know, it may be health, mental or physical. Uh, but the main thing is just just to keep going, keep believing and, and you'll get it. You'll get through it. You will yeah. definitely get. Through it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, two things before I let you go, you mentioned health, physical health. And, and emotional health. And um, so what can what else can you tell us about, about your awareness of the importance of people, you know, to be conscious of their emotional well-being? Well, you know, you know, you know, back when we were coming up, you know, talking about, you know, counseling or something, that was just like a, a bad stigma. You know, you, you're crazy if you if you were, you know, back in the eighties, talk about, well, I'm, 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 I'm in counseling. I'm speaking with the counselor, but you know, we, we've got to get past that. And I think a lot of people still struggle with it. Just like, you know, men, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, you, your dad wouldn't go to the doctor. You just, you know, if, if he went to the doctor, something was really, really wrong, but you know, we, we've got to go and get that annual physical. We got to go. If you're not feeling well, you don't, don't wait till it's bad. If you don't feel right, go to the doctor. And if you're, you know, feeling like something's not quite right with you emotionally and mentally, there's absolutely nothing wrong with reaching out and, and getting a counselor if, if you need to do that. I think, as a matter of fact, I would encourage folks to get, get counseling, whether you even feel like you need it or not, you might not know that you need it. Uh, you know, one of the things that I discovered years ago was that, you know, you, you think you know a lot of stuff, you probably don't know as much as you think you really know, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you think you may realize it or you'll be able to see signs of things, but there's a lot of things that are hidden. Um, and then you wake up the next day and find out, wow, I never knew that. And I wish I had done something. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I just say, don't, don't take things for granted. Um, you know, go and go to the doctor. And if you, if you, you know, whether you need to or not, I don't think there's anything wrong with reaching out and, you know, just just go to use your EPA and go to a council for three times or six times, whatever it allows you to do for free and just see if you like it. If you don't like it, there's nothing wrong with stopping, but you might find out of something that you like and it might make make you feel better at the end of the day. 
That's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you for saying that because that's very important. Okay, well, look, once again, I enjoy talking with you today on the Possibility Action Network podcast. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, you've been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. My guest today has been Byron Putman. Byron, once again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you.